What's up, guys? Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Frankie. And I'm Alex. And together, we're at FNA Van Life. And we're jumping into part two with Zeki. We're talking about Central America in this one. We're talking about the travel that you all want to know about. I mean, I, I know that I do for sure. Yeah, I think a lot of people are, like, hesitant about Central America. I know a lot of people are like, cool, Baja, no problem. But then are fearful to go any further. And that's what today's episode is all about getting past Mexico and into the real heart of Central America. It's going to be wild, especially Nicaragua. I can't even say it right. <laughs> Imagine you trying to say it in Spanish. Oh, man, it's going to be real bad. I can't roll an R for the life of me. Oh, no. <laughs> I could just imagine, like, months and months of your terrible, like, Spanish accent. You know what? But at It's least... like a Brooklyn Spanish accent. But at least I'll try. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, give me some credit. <laughs> I feel like it's, like, just, like, pour it down on Frankie time. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I feel like you're friendly in in any situation. <laughs> so it doesn't really matter whether you're uh, doing it well or not. I think, I think your smile will get you through. Yeah, thank you, baby. And also body language, right? Body language really You're going to be rolling your hips? I'm going to be rolling. I can dance. <laughs> That's the thing. I could like, I could do the bachata. I can salsa. I could, you know, I could do all those things. So... Uh, yeah, maybe maybe my hips won't lie. We're going to have fun in Central America for sure. <laughs> and with all these tips from Zeki today, I think you guys will agree that it's going to be a hell of a time. He gives a ton of specific towns, specific locations that he loved yeah. that you can definitely check out and add to your travel bucket list. And I think that we're all going to have a pretty good time. And I also do want to say, before we jump into this podcast, make sure that you guys... Give Zeki a follow, too. We'll have his Instagram link down below. What an amazing person. I feel like the energy that comes off him is just, like, it's extravagant. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. it, it makes you want to have fun. Yeah, we're excited. We're probably going to be doing some traveling with him as well. So talk about, you know, getting to explore some of these places with someone who knows so much about what to expect and where to go and where all the best food to eat is. And I do want to say to all the Patreons, Thank you for coming here and joining. If you're new and all the Patreons out there, thank you for supporting us. We love you guys. Now let's jump into Central America and learn more about travel. Yeah. So in our conversation the other day, we were kind of talking about what you could expect. We talked from like each country a little bit. We talked a little bit about, you know, Baja and then mainland Mexico. And then so what would you say are kind of like your highlights of, you know, moving further south into Guatemala did you do some traveling El Salvador? That's a place that I feel like we've heard some, you know, Mi not mixed so reviews things about. Yeah. Um, yeah. If well, you want to kind of break it down. Yeah. Um, Guatemala. I had never been. Um, I hadn't really looked at any pictures or anything. Um, kind of went into Guatemala not knowing anything about it to be honest, other than it was south of Mexico. That being said, crossing into Guatemala, I was absolutely amazed at how the mountains are. Very unique. I've never seen mountains like this. They kind of just like shoot right up out of the earth. Uh, they're less like point, you know, like slow degress on them. They're just kind of jut right out. Um, and they're huge and they're gorgeous. 
Guatemala was surprising. Um, bit more expensive than Mexico. Um, the nature, though, was incredible. Um, I highly recommend going and seeing an active volcano. Uh, one of the hardest hikes I've ever done in my life, if not the hardest hike, uh, was going up uh, 4,000 meters elevation. Uh, there's two volcanoes. They're like sister volcanoes. One is active and one is not. So you rate, you you go up the taller uh, inactive volcano to watch the active volcano exploding. And it is like explosions, like proper bombs going off, shooting out lava. And the lava was like the size of trucks. Yeah, it was huge. It was, it was, it was awesome. Highly recommend it. Um, wear good shoes, dress warm. And, uh, oh yeah. And that's another thing I was going to say, you guys know that Baja right now, most of Mexico is going to be cold, right? Yeah. Uh, okay. we figured, we figured that it would be a little bit cooler. Well, not cold. Yeah. yeah I mean, we're in Alberta right now. Yeah. Alberta yeah. Relative. Like, one degree Fahrenheit, like it's cold. We've actually no, 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 no. Three days have been uh, minus like eight or nine Fahrenheit, which is like minus twenty four Celsius. So, it's, so any even like a cold day on the beach would be welcome, right? Like forties, yeah, it'd be cool. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what you're gonna get. So it's relative cold. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Guatemala was really great. Uh, the food was good. The people were nice. The uh, it's from what I understand has like the largest indigenous population in the Americas. Very cool. Uh, which is super cool. So you'll meet and see lots of indigenous uh, people and you'll see areas that are just completely made up of indigenous people. And they're, you know, they got their own style of clothing and everything, their whole culture. It's super cool. to experience. Um, they're a great deal shorter than even what I would say is your average short Mexican. Yeah. Uh, so they, they kind of get, a little bit shorter. And then they start getting taller. It's like as you go through Central America, like the people start getting shorter. And then as you start getting further into it, then they start getting taller again. And then you get all the way down to Argentina where they just look like Europeans. That's wild. <laughs> yeah, well, it's I, pretty I neat. I used to work with a uh, Guatemalan when I uh, first moved back to New York. And, I mean, he was probably uh, in the four feet area. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, top, like almost five foot, you know, uh, it, it was kind of impressive. He was a he was a workhorse too. He was a, oh yeah, they're amazing dude. people and what they can do. So I mean, it's impressive. Like, there's so much to see in Guatemala, um, but I would say it's more of a landscape centric kind of place. Um, you like that? But, yeah. So that was really really nice. Um, I didn't spend as much time in Guatemala as I probably could have, um, and that's the problem that you'll begin to experience. I don't know if you guys have like a, I want to finish my entire trip through Central and South America in a certain time, but like I was pretty limber. Like I could do whatever. Um, but I ended up meeting people and wanting to travel with them and they were on time constraints. So then like I kind of pushed through areas maybe a little bit faster than I would have on my own. Um, Belize, I highly recommend also going to be a bit more expensive, uh, than even Guatemala. But if you're into water surfing, especially scuba, Belize is the place to be. Um, so, sorry, when you say expensive, is it still less expensive than the United States and just more expensive than like its neighboring countries? Or yeah. 
you know, kind of just like USA relative. Yeah. I'll make it relative. So I would say generally speaking, um, from Mexico down to Panama city, Panama, for an example, um, the only places that I experienced pretty close to American prices were Cabo. Yeah. Um, which is like Disneyland, uh, for adults, beaches instead of Mickey. Uh, yeah, alcohol instead of Donald. I mean, that's exactly what it is. Um, Cabo was like American prices. I think I bought a shot in a bar for like $8, $9. And you're like, whoa. I was like, yeah, I bought a shot and then left. <laughs> Peace. Yeah, so um, Cabo was expensive. Everywhere else will still be less expensive. I would say that your biggest cost, unless you, if you go to like proper grocery stores, You'll pay relatively close to American prices in some case, depending like Sriracha was always really expensive in other countries because I think they sell it to people like us or me anyways, because I love Sriracha. Um, But if you're cool with going to the markets and buying food, it'll be a lot less expensive than in the grocery stores. But you're going to have Walmarts and the equivalent to Walmarts you know, in every country, they all have them. Um, Pali is a P-A-L-I. Pali uh, is a popular one uh, that exists in a lot of Central America. Um, food is expensive. Gas varies in every place. It's about the same as the States pretty much everywhere. I mean, you'll pay a little bit more in some places, a little bit less in others. But at the end of the day, it's going to yeah. break down to being about the same as in the States. Yeah. Uh, food prices will be just about what they are in the States. However, everything else is likely to be way less expensive. Um, for example, well, in some countries obviously are less expensive than other ones. Nicaragua is, from my understanding, uh, last I checked, the poorest country in continental America. So both North and South America. Um, the exchange right now is like $1 to 35 Cordobas. So it's extremely economical there. Food is still going to be a bit pricey, relatively close to American prices. Gas is kind of high there too. Um, however, you can go out for a night, for example, with some friends to dinner, go out to like a, a bar or something, get bottle service, beers, drinks, you know, order some food for four people and still pay 50 bucks wow that's definitely less than american prices yeah yeah so it's way less you know what i mean i'm talking about plenty of food and plenty of drinks like more than probably four people should be drinking right Uh, (laughs) i'm even wondering if um you know since the state of the world right now if it's going to be even less expensive just because they want people there well there's certainly a great deal less tourism Uh uh And I have noticed a weird thing. You'll get one of two types of business owners. The one type of business owner who will lower prices because he's just eager to have anything. Yeah. And the other one who's charging more because he needs to have more because there's so much less and he's still trying to make the same amount of money. You know what I mean? So uh, you'll get, you'll get one of the two. Um, I found that in most cases, I wouldn't do any tours. I did a tour for the volcano thing in Guatemala. 
um, which is just outside of Antigua. Um, I have the name written down. I can send it to you guys. Um, but generally speaking, I mean, outside of like food and gas for us, like my life was pretty, pretty cheap. I mean, you can buy like street food and stuff really inexpensively. And most cases I actually stopped cooking. It was so cheap for me to go and buy some fruits and vegetables at the market, you know, which I didn't have to cook. And then if I got hungry, I would just stop at like a little street food stand, buy some tacos or something. And I was good to go. Uh, Cause it's just so cheap. It's easy. I don't have to clean anything. And, and I found that me going to the store and buying like the same amount of stuff cost me more in some cases. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this. Um, you didn't mention in your budget breakdown, you know, paying for camping or anything like that. So for us traveling through North America, we rarely pay to camp anywhere. Um, what was your experience in Central America in terms of paying for spots versus free spots? You know, was sometimes paying for spots like a safety thing? Like how did that kind of break down for you? Um. I paid once uh, through the whole journey. I paid one time, and I think I was in. I think I was in Baja. I'm pretty sure I was in Baja, and it was yeah, I was in Baja, and some friends wanted to stay at a place that was pay because the dude knew it. He knew some people in the area or whatever, so we ended up staying there. It was like. I was so mad about it too. It was like 20 bucks or 10 bucks. And I was like, I can't believe I'm paying for this shit. Like, I don't even want this. Like, whatever. Like, but anyways, I was just being a butt. Um, but yeah, I never paid. Um, oh no, that's not true. In Guada, Guadalajara, I stayed at a hostel. Like I just parked outside front. I paid them $2, uh, per day. And I got complete access to the hostel. So I could use their kitchen, which was nice. Um, so I didn't have to cook inside of Titan. Um, showers, bathroom, internet, meeting people, because there's like the whole social area and that whole aspect um, to go see around town and everything like that. Because some of the people are like tourists who've been staying there for a while, you know, so they've been there for a month. So they're, they're happy to be like, oh, yeah, I'll go show you this spot and that spot and all of that. So that was nice. Um, I did that in Guadalajara. Everywhere else, um, for the sake of security, I just parked in front of a police station in every town that I went. Um, a couple of times I did gas stations. I did it in Honduras, um, which the gas stations are so weird. So, like, gas stations close there, but they, like, close at midnight. And they'll all have a security guard, an armed security guard, um, who doesn't want anybody to stay there because, like, Nobody's supposed to stay there, right? He's supposed to watch the place. Um, so generally, I would just make sure I'd get there before they'd close. Talk to the manager. I'm like, hey, I'm really tired. I need to sleep for a few hours. Is it cool? And they're always like, yeah, it's fine. But it's so strange. Like, like it'll be hustling and bustling full of people. Cars coming, lots of lights on. And then suddenly at midnight or one, all the lights go off. And it seems like all the traffic and everything stops. And everybody disappears. And it's so creepy. But I had no problems. Nobody bothered me at all. Um, in, in Honduras, I had a little bit of a problem getting. I had permission from somebody to park someplace, and then somebody else 
said I didn't. And then they, instead of like talking to me about it, they just called the police. And when they, the police came, I don't know if it's because of how Titan looks, um, because he does look a bit military-esque. Uh, they brought like, I don't know, 10 soldiers and they're like all carrying like assault rifle, you know, like Kalashnikovs, I think is what they had. Um, and they like, I opened the door and it's some captain or something. And I was like, wow, all of this, eh? Just for me. <laughs> and they're like surrounded the vehicle and everything. And I was like, I guess, cause I've been, first off, I'm, I'm a veteran. I served in Iraq and Afghanistan and stuff. Um, and I've been to 35 countries. So I've experienced a lot of uh, the differences in law enforcement in other countries. So it didn't like scare me at all. I realized I hadn't done anything really wrong. Like they were just going to tell me to move on. Uh, but it was, I could see how it would certainly make somebody feel very uncomfortable because it was a lot for something pretty small. You know what I mean? Uh, but they were actually pretty cool. They came inside, looked around the rig. Just the one guy came inside, the captain, popped his head in. He was like, hey, did you do this? I was like, yeah. He goes, where are you going? I was like, I'm going to Nicaragua. You know, I'm just, It was in the capital of Honduras that this happened. And then he was like, okay, well, you can't park here. You got to go. And I was like, all right, sounds good to me. He's like, all right. <laughs> I don't want to be here anymore anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. How- how would you feel about camping, you know, I guess just like boondocking it in places that aren't, say, the police station and mm. like maybe by the coast or whatever it is? Uh, is there – would you be more willing to pay for the security at that point, I guess? Or like do, th- are there like iOverlander spots where you can park for free? There are overlander spots and in my experience um they're pretty spot on um the only problem is right now with i overlander i think with the exception of me uh and a couple of other travelers nobody's commenting like there's there's not a lot of travelers right now so yeah. a lot of the data is a bit dated you know yeah. it's like all pre-covid information so you can see spots that nobody's been at for a while and you just got to go and check it out as far as how do I feel about doing it, I travel mostly solo. Just me. I didn't even have whiskey with me then. So um, for me, I didn't go and like boondock out on the beach or whatever. Unless Cabo and Baja. Baja is like California. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's just like the United States. A few more people speak Spanish, but really not. Not really that many more people. Like it's just as much. Yeah, it's expats and tourists, and there's a few Mexicans that live there. Like, (laughs) but yeah, in Baja, you can park, hang out, do whatever. Like places that are big, like um, Mazatlan, um, Puerto Vallarta, places like that, you'll have no problems um, parking out on the beach and stuff. Maybe some of the quieter beaches out. And Guatemala, Honduras, and stuff. I would probably pay for the security uh, if I was like really wanting to be in like that spot. But before I would do that, I would just go park out in front of the police station and drive out there every morning right. for free. Yeah, and that's what I would do. 
So how far would the police station be from, you know, a particular spot like that? Generally speaking, most places have two types of police. You're going to have like your normal police and then you'll have tourist police. Okay. So the tourist police are responsible for the tourist areas, right? So that's Mm -hmm. what they police. So generally, in my experience, there are within relative proximity to any kind of touristy place that people visit, Mm -hmm. whether it's foreigners or locals, um, there'll be a, a tourist police station pretty nearby. And I had great success with that. Nice. Um, I will say, I think that some of the tourism is definitely coming back, at least in Baja anyways, because we're seeing so many pictures on Instagram and all this of like the Baja beach. And it's just like 10 rigs in a row, like everybody's hanging out. Um, So I do think people are starting to get more comfortable about the idea. I will say, though, I think that a lot of people go to Baja but never make it to mainland Mexico. Right, like they're like further south from there. Like they come back to the States. They do Baja, and then when they're done with Baja, they go. Um, But so hopefully, you know. It's that time of year, too. What's the time of It's that time of year as well. So I was in Baja in United States summer. Yeah. Now it's United States winter. So all of those snowbirds are heading down to Baja. Right. You know, they're like, fuck COVID, you know, yeah. whatever. I want to be down in Baja. So, And the Mexicans don't care, uh, generally speaking, in my experience. I mean, uh, most of Cabo was closed at 9 p.m. when I was there. Okay. So bars, clubs, restaurants, everything closed at 9. Um, all throughout Mexico and, Latin- and Central America, it will vary, like, Guadalajara could close at 11 uh, and then the next town over not have any restrictions. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you just kind of got to feel you it. Just, out yeah. Know. You just go to a spot and ask, you know, the first people you see like, Hey, what time do things close? Cause that will completely change, you know, your plans potentially right. what time, you're, what time you're going to go eat. Are you planning to go to the grocery? You know what I mean? All these things, if things are closing at 9 PM. Um, I do know that unlike here in Texas, uh, you will be wearing a mask everywhere you go. Yeah. Uh, I mean, outside of the beach and stuff. But if you're in a hotel, if you're in a grocery store, gas station, at the border crossing and all that stuff, everybody's masked up. Yeah. You know, here in Texas, nobody wears masks. Yeah, I know. (laughs) All right, so. It's all relative to where you are. Right. Well, I mean, there's also a lot more people. and I don't know. So it's probably a good thing that people are wearing masks. It certainly couldn't hurt. places. Yeah, no, I'm just like letting you know, like wearing a mask is a thing uh, you're going to have to have to have and deal with. Yep. Right. Get, get. Have a couple, bring extras. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. don't use them on the beach because that's the, the worst kind of trash. That's the worst. Yeah, the Isn't worst. it the grossest, like nasty trash ever? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I have several in the rig, uh, but like they're all over. Right. Yeah. All right. So we've talked about Mexico, Guatemala, Belize. Let's talk about um, El Salvador. Yeah, that's what I'm interested in. Okay, Honduras and El Salvador. So as you know, Honduras basically is giving El Salvador a big warm hug. Uh, El Salvador is just kind of tucked. Geographically. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) it's just tucked right in there, right? Um, So you you can go, for example, from uh, Guatemala straight to Nicaragua without going into El Salvador, for an example. However, if you wanted to go to El Salvador, much like Honduras and Mexico, my experience is that everybody told me about how dangerous and how awful it was. Yes, yeah. 
Now, obviously, there are dangerous areas, for example, of Mexico City. I found out where those were, and I didn't go there. So I didn't have any problems in Mexico City. I would say the exact same about El Salvador. If you're out during the day, not driving at night, which are like standard rules that I have. I don't drive at night in Latin America. I just don't do it because that's where the freaks come out. Um, And I've never had a problem, but I decided never to open the door to a potential problem. Love that. Right. So I just never had one. And that's why I think in part was I didn't drive at night. I had no problems in El Salvador. I had no problems in Honduras. And I had people telling me horror stories about both. Some people told me El Salvador was safe. Honduras was awful. Some people told me vice versa. I mean, I didn't have any problems. You know, um, the people are nice. Don't go anyplace sketchy. You know, make sure you got a nice, safe place to park at night, you know, as best as you can. You know, taxis have always been helpful. Never, you know, they charge you a little bit more, maybe take you a longer route or whatever. But you get that in New York. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, I would say El Salvador. I live or my family's from Nicaragua, so we're right next door. I think that because of my bias that I have, um, I find both El Salvador and Honduras underwhelming. Um, in particular, Costa Rica, which is our southern neighbor. Mm. And the reason why is, is both of them are much more expensive. Mm. The crime rates are a great deal higher in, in all of those countries, all three of them, than Nicaragua. And we're the biggest country yeah. in Central America. So we have like everything that everybody else has. So I'm like, we got it. We don't need to go yeah. there. You know what I mean? So I've got like this huge right. bias. Did it better. Yeah, exactly. I've got this like like huge bias and I hate that I have it because I feel like when I'm there, I don't get to like experience it as well as I could because of my bias. But El Salvador is beautiful. I highly recommend going there. Be smart as you would be in any other country and you'll be fine. Yeah, cool. So when you talked about crime rate too real quick, um, what I think about is normally crime rate, no matter where you are, is normally like a local thing, right? Do, so do, do you believe that crime rate is more localized than it is against like tourism? Absolutely. Um, I mean, outside of maybe somebody trying like low-hanging fruit, right? So if you leave your purse your your purse right, on your seat yeah or yeah you know what i mean like if you open the door to it i think that you could become a potential risk yeah. i never heard of anybody like i knew people who were out drinking and lost their phone or something yeah, yeah but that was because they were reckless and you know drinking or whatever and shouldn't have put their cell phone down someplace but i have not heard not once on this trip or the last several that i've taken down that way um, of like tourists being targeted for being tourists, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So it's more like um, opportunist, right? Like uh, when I worked in the union and I would be working in construction buildings, the guys would say, "Hey, make sure your bag is just zipped closed, because if your bag is open and somebody walks by and sees like you know a meter that's two hundred dollars that they want, yeah, yeah. you know they yeah, might yeah. just go and Zip. grab it right out. There goes your fluke." Just like yeah, that. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> they would never actually unzip your bag. Yeah, they would never actually unzip your bag because then it looks funny and it feels funny. But if they, yeah, yeah. but if it's there and the opportunity is there, they might just reach in and snatch it. That's exactly right. I mean, I would recommend having 
as much as you can inside of your vehicle. Um, I did know one guy who I was traveling with who he was traveling with a bunch of like really nice. He had a, I think a KTM, uh, four stroke dual sport, super nice bike. He had a, an electric, um, what was it called? Zero motorcycle. And he had this like super high end electric mountain bike that looked super dope. Um, All on the back of his rig? No, he had designed his rig with like a bunk bed system where the bunk beds like folded up against the walls. So then he would have like the middle area. So while he was driving, he would have all the stuff on the inside of his rig. He would park someplace, pull everything out, chain it up, drop the bunk beds like on either wall and they would like complete and make a Murphy bed. Yeah. Yeah, Essentially like two halves of a Murphy bed. Um, and that worked really well for him actually for, because like his priority was making sure that he had his toys with him. Um, however, once we got parked someplace, he would like just leave it all out and he never locked anything up. Like, and he even had, he had chains and all this stuff. He just didn't. And one night, you know, somebody came by and grabbed his $10,000 mountain bike and zipped off with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, now, I don't think, like, it's just low-hanging fruit. You know what I mean? He yeah. he left the window open. Had he had it chained up, I can almost guarantee you it never, yeah, it would never would have happened. Yeah. And the crazy thing was, like, <laughs> he left his dirt by, like, he got it, like, stuck in the sand a bit. And I think it ran out of gas or something or needed some fixing. And he just, like, left it sit, like, 50 meters from his van stuck in the sand for, like, four days. You know what I mean? And I was like, <laughs> I didn't leave my chair outside. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like $20 camping chair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But it takes proper timing as well as the <clears throat> opportunity to be there for somebody to actually, you know, commit the crime. You know, it, it it's like well, the thing is, storm. Yeah, I mean, he felt very comfortable. He'd stayed at this spot like upteen times. You know what I mean? He really knew the area. He felt like he... You know, he just left his guard down and he felt so comfy, you know, and it, literally I wouldn't have done what he was doing in the States. Right. Yeah. You know, it's not like it was because we were in super dangerous Mexico or whatever. You know what I mean? It was because he left his shit out and open and unattended and somebody stole it because that's what happens when you leave nice stuff out unattended. Right. Yeah. But other All than right. that, I mean, I, I wouldn't say anything targeting towards tourists. Good. Yeah, awesome. So we've talked a fair bit about how amazing Nicaragua is. That would be our next stop on our journey southern. And, so, and we're getting the real good, you know, inside scoop uh, on it. So, yes, it might be a little biased, but, you know. <laughs> tell us how much so better loose. Nicaragua is than any others. Uh, well, it is, it is on my, like, top three favorite countries in the world list. Um it's really cool. I mean, it's got a lake with 365 islands in it. Cool. Um, it also has a lake. It's the only lake in the world that has freshwater sharks. Whoa. Or they're not freshwater sharks. They're bull sharks. Bull sharks actually spawn in, like, the rivers that pour out to the ocean, right? Well, there was a spot where the sharks had gone in to spawn, I guess, 
and the volcanic activity cut them off to going back out to the sea. But since they can exist both in salt and freshwater, they now there are bull sharks in there. I've never seen one. I know it's a thing, but yeah, um, there's look. Yeah. Yeah. There's lagoons. There's uh, Nicaragua is pretty cool. And that it's split up into two major halves of the country. So you'd have the Caribbean side and then uh, the Pacific side. The Pacific side is, I think, what you would think of when you think of Nicaragua. So people who speak Spanish, dance to you know salsa and eat carne asada and rice and beans. You know what I mean? Like It's very much like that. Um, the east side is a whole other country. <laughs> so it's, um, it's called the main city on the east side is Bluefields. Bluefields is um, almost everybody who lives on the eastern side is of African descent. Oh, cool. They all speak uh, Creole. They also speak uh, the native, uh, not all of them, but many of them speak the native uh, indigenous language, Mosquito. And they speak Spanish. But generally speaking, they will speak English or Creole. And so they're just like, yeah, man, Everton, get to be all right. You know, and I was like, where am I? Uh, so, and there's some really cool islands that I highly recommend. Uh, the Little Corn Island is heaven. You'll never allot enough time to be there. Wow. The first time I went, I was supposed to be there for three days and I stayed six months. Wow. Holy shit. Yeah. It's a hard place to leave. It's That's it's epic. On a, on a spot for sure. Yeah, you could put your rig on a ferry and get it over there. Um, you could. I would just say uh, park it at my house and uh, and go. We'll put it on iOverlander. Just yeah, put <laughs> park it at my house, dude. It's no worries. You can park it right in front. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, it's actually a. There's two ways to get to this island. Because, I mean, the island is out in the Caribbean. There's two of them. There's the big and little corn islands. Um, there's only one real way to get there, though, if you ask me. So you can fly from the capital city of Managua. You'll stop in Bluefields. From Bluefields, people will get on and off the airplane. And then the journey will commence to the big island. Um, from the big island, you'll have to get into a, a boat that's called a panga. And you'll drive it uh, for about 30 minutes to get to the little island. So that's the fast way. That will take you the better part of a day. And cost around, I think, 250 in total dollars. However, my way, my favorite way, is to go via bus from, uh, you know, whatever city you start off in Nicaragua, for example, where I live, which is in Granada. You'll go from Granada via bus to El Rama, and then from El Rama, you're going to take a panga, this type of boat, down the Rio San Juan through the like rainforest, all the way till you get to Bluefields. Uh, that leg of the journey will take you about a day and a half. So you'll stay like the night in El Rama. The following morning, take the boat to Bluefields. You get to Bluefields, you'll take. You'll spend another night there, and then the following day take the uh, – or that night, if you're lucky, we'll take the bar, the bargo, the barge from Bluefields to either the big or little island. It's an overnight thing. You, like, 
can buy these $2 hammocks and you hang them up on there and everybody's like a bunch of pirates on this ship overnight. And it's a great experience. It's so much fun, dude. And like you get to see like most of Nicaragua and all the like landscape on your way there, the whole, like getting to the Caribbean side, beautiful crystal clear water, white sand, you know, on a hammock, on a boat, traveling to an island, drinking some rum. I could not have felt more like a pirate. It, it, it sounds like uh, something out of a movie, you know, like uh, you, you, you get on the boat through the rainforest. Yeah. Like you have this beautiful rainforest down this river and then all of a sudden you're on a barge in open water and <laughs> next thing you know, you're on this amazing island. That's literally, I couldn't say more. It is a lot like that. It is an adventure um, the whole way. And you feel like an explorer. It's a fun trip to take. We also have like a volcano that's got black sand that you can go like snowboarding and sledding down. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, there's a lagoon. Oh, at it right now on the map. And it, it well, I'm trying nuts. to like drop my human on Corn Island and yeah. it won't let me. So I Corn Island. Like the little island, just to put it in reference uh, size-wise, it will take you about, so it's kind of like oblong-shaped. It's kind of like a long, skinny island, right? Right. Uh, it will take you about 15 to 20 minutes maybe to walk from one side on the narrow, from one side to the other. About an hour and some change to walk long ways. Uh, so not big. Yeah. There's no roads. There's no cars. So it's cool. dude. It's dope. Little corn. The best place is like. It's so great. The lack of like pollution in a place like that, just because like no vehicle traffic, no you know everything's probably handmade, and you know just yeah, the, the lack of pollution is. Uh, the you food know, is great. Yeah. The food is great. Um, the scuba diving is amazing. That's why I ended up staying so long was yeah. the diving. So I ended up working at like the dive shop that was there. It's a lot of fish, like the food. Absolutely. It's a pescatarian's, you know, wet dream. So, yeah. uh, you know, I, I was in heaven, uh, you know, lobster. you can go and dive, go grab yourself a lobster. If you're into that sort of thing, you know, go dive down, grab up a lobster and uh, take it to uh, one of the places and have them cook it up. Like a friend of mine and I, he was a, he was a Canadian. We went fishing at, uh, like every other day, go catch some like snapper and, um, you know, some smaller grouper and stuff like that. Bring them back to the place we were staying and they would cook up all the fish for the whole community, like the whole hostel place it's like a big area uh cooked it for everybody and then included all the sides and everything for free Whoa. that's amazing yeah elsa's sunshine you should go there <laughs> beautiful <laughs> nice elsa's on breezy side of the island yeah it's so cool sweet okay what else do we need to know about nicaragua before we continue south um it's had a woman president uh, most of the law enforcement is females. That's cool. Um, they have like women's rights are like really huge over there. 
Um, so women are like in positions of power and all that stuff, which I think is really cool because of how Latin America generally is, which is very machismo, very patriarchal. Uh, Nicaragua isn't quite so much uh, that way. We still are that way, but uh, what else? Loads of lagoons, um, lots of like ecotourism stuff. Like if you like just raw nature, beaches, untouched, like places where nobody has been for who knows how long, like you can go to those spots and hang out for as long as you desire. I'd say generally speaking, Nicaragua is very, very safe. During the day, you can expect to get stopped by police at checkpoints. Mm-hmm. They're going to look at your papers, make sure your papers are good, and they'll wave you by. Uh, they will not bother you really um, at all outside of that. Um, it's very inexpensive. You'll find yourself, uh, I think most people who have the like flexibility of time, find themselves wanting to stay there a bit longer than they had originally anticipated because it's so economical and there's so much to do. You know what I mean? And the, the people are really nice. So like you go, it'll be a big change when you go to Costa Rica. Costa Rica is beautiful. It's very developed tourism. You know, uh, Nicaragua has some developed tourism, but it's a lot more like raw kind of rustic stuff going on. Um, Costa Rica is manicured, forests you know what i mean like everything looks really pretty they've got gorgeous waterfalls and all kinds of beautiful stuff to go see in costa rica but you're paying for it like the prices are probably triple to quadruple of that in nicaragua in other words Um, it's kind of privatized right they it it certainly is industry around it and no matter what you're paying you can't really go to these places on your own you have to prefer some type of some type of guide absolutely Absolutely. Everything's pretty much privatized over there. There's not going to be a thing that you want to see that somebody hasn't already built a business around, in my experience. Now, some of them will be more economical than others, but I would say generally, for the most part, like there's a strong tourism in Costa Rica. You know what I mean? So they're accustomed to having a certain amount of money, a certain amount of tourists. Like So this, there's going to be a lot less haggling. Like In Nicaragua, you could work out like a long-term deal. Uh, at a hostel, for example, and be like, oh, it's $5 a night. How about I pay you, you know, 60 bucks for the month or something? Yeah. And they'll be like, all right, good to go. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like, you can you can haggle and work that stuff out in Nicaragua a bit more. Um, in Costa Rica, I find that you have it less. Um, but it is a beautiful place. <coughs> but it's certainly more developed. <coughs> um, Panama um is relatively the exact same experience uh you get to panama city and you'll think you're in miami i mean it looks and feels so much like miami um relatively expensive of course um i wouldn't say quite american prices in panama city but both um costa rica and panama are going to be you'll you'll feel the hit more because you just left someplace so cheap So after having left Nicaragua, because like Southern Mexico will get really, really cheap. Prices will start to raise up through Guatemala and Honduras, curve really hard down in Nicaragua and then spike right back up into Costa Rica and uh, Panama. Um, But food prices will will remain pretty consistent all the way throughout. It's going to be all of your like other activities and stuff, restaurants and tourism like 
tours and stuff like that. Yeah. Very cool. All right. I feel like we could talk forever and we've done a whole nother hour today. Plus the, whatever that we did. The oh other gosh, day. Yeah. So I feel like we should have you on again to talk about, you know, have you ever shipped your van from Panama or like gone further? I have not. And this is something I wanted to talk to you guys about. Yes. Because first of all, I think I'm going to go down into Baja. So I'll probably just kick it out in California for a couple of weeks, zip into Baja with you guys, if you don't mind hang out for a couple weeks, then I'll come back to the States. I, if, if I'm not back in Nicaragua by like February, I will be a dead man. So yeah, I'll have to. Right? Leave you, leave you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll be a dead man. So, um, but that also means that when you guys go down towards Nicaragua, I will be driving back down. I'm just going to be driving not Titan. I'll be driving uh, Ruby, my, my Jeep, uh, my Overlander. Well, I've strongly been considering for some time doing South America. If I do it, I will be taking Ruby. I was going to do it this last go around. Um, however, a lot of things happened and it just wasn't doable at the time. Mostly it was just all the borders um, at the time were all closed. Right. So, what I was thinking was, we could do Baja, you guys catch up with me, Nicaragua, and depending on how everything goes, if you guys don't mind, maybe I'll zip across uh, the canal with you guys and go down into South America. Hell yeah. I, mean, I think that would be a blessing for both us and, and you, and the general sense is we'll have company of another, you know, person and something that we could explore together and, and just be something so different. Um, yeah, we're, we're totally looking forward to it in the... The invitation to to hang with us is always open to you, man. We really appreciate you being right on. Thank you, and just being so friendly and open about your experiences. I think we'd have a lot of fun traveling together. Yeah, I think so too. I don't. Think I agree. Be- <laughs> <laughs> I I agree. I think it'd be fun. Um, yeah, and I mean, I have a strong network too, like relatively in South America. Like I have people, and my in law, uh, my brother's in laws are from Colombia. My mom has friends in Peru and Chile. You know, so like there is some kind of thing if I ever needed something where I could call and have, you know, people. And then, of course, in Nicaragua, I mean, I've got people, Panama, Costa Rica, Nicaragua, Colombia, Peru. I'm so fortunate, you know, to have some type of network, um, you know, in those areas, which I can always pass on to you guys, whether we end up traveling with one another or or not. I mean, so. But for sure, I think definitely I'll end up going down into uh, South America. Uh, my whole dream was to go do uh, a cruise to Antarctica. Yes. So I got to get my foot on my last continent. Um, I just, yeah, I got the toughest one to get to. That's uh, exactly. that's the thing. So the the cruises leave out of Ushuaia in Argentina. Uh, it's like the southernmost city in the world, I think. And you go down there, and they're they're not cheap. Yeah, it's like ten to twenty to forty thousand dollars a ticket. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would be on the ten thousand dollar, yeah. <laughs> the most economical ticket I could find. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and try and work out a deal with them. <laughs> right. You know, uh, but I I got to do it. So you'll spend like one night out on Antarctica proper, and they'll give you all the gear and stuff. 
there's only a small window of the year that you can do it. It's very expensive. You go to see icebergs and you got to do the Arctic plunge. You know what I mean? Like I got to yeah. do this shit. Yeah. I have to. Yeah, yeah, you have to, even if it's for two I seconds. I have to. I have to. Go. I got to. Yeah, this is going to happen. So this is the whole plan, but COVID kind of messed up South America for me. So I ended up turning around and I got some other things going on. But man, I say we. Of course it freezes right, right now. now. Yeah, we did so good until this moment. <laughs> Yeah, no, man, I think that this will be, uh, it'll be fun. So I'll see you guys. You guys are going to, wh- when are you guys doing Baja? Well. I think we're doing it the uh, end of February at this point. Oh, um, no, bueno, then I can't do I know, I yeah, we'll have to figure it all out. But, but I think we have a lot of adventure in our future together. Yeah, and I for I sure. say that we will be in California in mid-January, end of January, so we could always we're just kind of waiting for some friends who have some mechanical stuff and the parts are supposed to come in february so they don't know exactly when they're coming and blah 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 so it might end up that we end up dropping in before like i don't know so it's okay well if you guys come down like the earlier you can because i leave today i'm gonna go hang out in arizona for a few days and i'm gonna go i want to be for christmas in cali uh with all my van life buddies we're gonna do Christmas at, uh, in San Diego, and then we're doing New Year's at uh, J- uh, J-Tree. Nice. So Joshua Tree. Um, uh, trying to Alex? People over there. I, I don't know what they call themselves, but um, uh, like Kirby and Shaden and uh, all them over there, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, uh, uh, there's there's the, the community out there is huge. We got like, I have a, a network of people that I actually traveled with. We all went down to Baja uh, together, hung out around San Diego. Um, I've got people all over Cali right now um, in the in the community. So, uh, yeah, so we're doing Christmas there and then doing uh, J-Tree for, for New Year's. So, the, quick question. This doesn't have to be part of the podcast, but did you come up to VanFest with all of them? Uh, no, I went to VanFest with one other rig, um, a, an Eskimo guy from uh, Alaska. He had a Chevy Astro van that he had converted into like a little four by four, really small micro rig. Mm-hmm. Uh, he and I went up there. I met a woman named Heather uh, there who ended up traveling with us to San Diego. And then she traveled with us down to Baja with, oh, and Luna. I met Luna there. I didn't meet Luna at VanFest. I met Luna at the campsite we were staying at near VanFest. Uh, actually, we did say hi to each other at VanFest, but we didn't like really talk, talk. Then we ended up camping together, and then that whole crew, plus the crew that we ended up meeting in San Diego, all ended up traveling together down to Baja. Nice. Gosh. Yeah, man. You've had a wonderful ride. Yeah. I feel we're definitely excited to travel with you. Um, and we we'll just, just missed each other. So. Yeah, it seems like our paths are just like. They crossed, but we didn't actually meet. I know. That is that is crazy. Yeah, but, but, but when you guys come down into uh, central uh, Nicaragua, we'll have to work out a, a timing thing because I am definitely. South America is on my list. It's on my hit list. Yeah. Like it's definitely on my list of places to go. I mean, in particular, Colombia, Argentina. I gotta do these. Do you guys speak at the Spanish at all? No. 
We're going to work on it. I highly recommend a set of audio CDs that you can probably find bootlegged, but it's Pimsler's is the name of the, the company. They do an amazing job at te- teaching language. Yeah. You get those audio CDs, listen to them while you're driving in the car. You intuitively learn stuff just like a kid would. It's not right. hard at all. And I bet that if you started doing that now, by the time you got to Baja, you would have really good entry-level Spanish skills. The most I know right now is, hola, como estas? Muy bien. Y tú? Yeah. <laughs> Muy bien, gracias. That's about gracias. I know right now. I can count no. at least. Yeah. No, that's good. You got to learn just like simple phrases though, like, you know, cuánto cuesta, how much, dónde está el baño, where's the bathroom. Yeah. You know, um, learn little words like street, calle, or cartera, you know, all of these things. Since you're going to be asking for directions and people are going to tell you these things. Like you get those basics now. Pimsers, I find, is a very useful tool. So I speak four languages. Um, and Pimsers has been one of the aids that I've used on my journey of learning languages. So children's books is another good. I do think that once I'm immersed in the culture, it'll be a lot easier for me to understand once I'm there and, uh, we'll get, even just get like feedback get, too. And, and because I spent, uh, some time, I dated a woman that w- was uh, Mexican and mm. her whole family spoke Spanish. So I actually understood a lot of the phrases that they were saying, but I, I couldn't speak it. You know, sure. so it was it was enough for me to understand it and and when I am there I think that I'll wind up picking up a lot of the words again. It's just a matter of, you know, you certainly back. will pick it up as you go. Um you'll find how much you two are going to rely on speaking to one another though. Because mm-hmm. uh it becomes exhausting to hear another language. because it's, yeah. it's the music, it's all the people speaking, it's the written stuff everywhere. And it, it like you have to think so hard. Even me, you know what I mean. And I speak Spanish natively, mm-hmm. like, but it, it's really taxing. I think hearing it that, day upon that, day. One thing that Alex and I could do is utilize each other to help each other learn the language as well. Like, you know, instead of speaking English at certain points in time of the day, we could try to utilize you know learning and speaking certain phrases and just getting used to that. Well, that's what would be fun about those audio CDs because it's actually like a lot of it's conversations like that two people are having. So you right. both could actually be practicing it together, turn off the audio CD, and then actually have the conversation together. Yeah. You know All what right, I mean? well, so, we're going to start our Spanish lessons. You can quit start. us when we get to San Diego. Right on. <laughs> Sounds good. Sí, sí. Gracias, gracias. But thank you so much for all of the knowledge that you've imparted on us. Um, we're really excited to travel, and I'm sure that, uh, you know, the closer we get or as we get down in there, we'll have more information for everybody on the podcast as well about, you know, all these adventures. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully by the time we get to San Diego, I'll have um, – I had some stuff that I put together from my trip, like uh, GPS marked a bunch of different locations, all the buildings – at the border crossings and have copies of all the documents nice. uh, for people to have. So I'm just going to put that out into the, the ether for that's people to have. That's very generous of Thank you. you so I'm much. sure that's going to help a lot of people. Including us. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, guys. Well, it's been fun. I will see you, I guess, in San Diego, eh? Yeah. 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 Or in well, LA, I think we talked about. La La. Yeah. La La. 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 <laughs> 
All right, okay. guys. Thank you so, so much for being on the podcast. For sure. See you guys soon. Central America sounds freaking amazing. FNA. Yeah, FNA <laughs> to the van life. You know what I'm saying? We are so excited. We're so grateful for Zeki giving us all of this amazing information. We are just going to like re-listen to this episode just, you know, marking all of the places that he says in the map. As we were talking to him originally, I was like, ooh, write that down. Ooh, write that down. <laughs> yeah. So I'm really excited to kind of, like, mark everything on my map and take all of his notes and just, you know, get to start to planning. I'm a planner. Yeah. Actually, traveling out there, we'll chat with Zeki and we'll see what spots that he's willing to, like, you know, let us share with you guys out there. So we'll drop it in the Patreon for sure once we are out there and we're traveling. So stay tuned for more sneak peeks about where to go, what to do. This is where you'll find it first. We've actually been toying with the idea of putting together a map with all of our favorite locations. It's something that, you know, we did a poll saying, you know, what would people want from us? And that was one of the things that they said that they would like is a map with all of our favorite spots to camp. Yeah. You know, not just in Central America, but in North America as well. If there are spots, we'll share it with you guys for sure, 100%. But if there's somebody else's spots, we got to hold them close to our heart. Well, if there's somebody else, like, I think the map will only be available through Patreon. Yeah, yeah. Because I think, not that we want to gatekeep um, beautiful locations and public land, because it's public and anybody can use Mm it. Um, But... There are certain spots, like Frank's saying, that people have entrusted to us that, you know, we don't want, you know, to just become overrun. Not that that many people listen to us, so I don't know how much it matters, <laughs> but... Hey, you never know, right? Next thing you know, there could be 500,000 people listening. And they and all go to the, the same spot. place, and we're yeah. like, whoops a doodle <laughs> But yeah, we're, we're so thankful. We're so grateful for all the information that we get to give out to you guys, all the wonderful uh, guests that we get to have on the show. It's just amazing to be able to hear about their experiences. That way it allows us to feel more comfortable and just not just me and Alex, but you guys as well. You know, I, I think it just gives us all an opportunity to understand that travel is, should be a positive thing. And I think that's the whole point of this podcast and all of the people that we talk to. We're trying to find people who you can look towards as examples. Like if you're a solo female, if you're a couple with kids, if you're, you know, a retired veteran, whatever it is, we want to find people that you can relate to because we know that there's, you know, a wide audience of people and whether it's, you know, a travel goal of Alaska or Central America or whatever Mm -hmm. it is, or just, Seeing somebody who's like you that you're like, well, if they could do it, I, I could, could do, do it. it. Yep. Yep. And even in the future, we'll have people on from Brazil and other places all around the world. So if you're interested in worldly type of travel, you'll find it here. All right, guys. We hope that you all are doing super well and have an FNA day. Hey, everybody knows it's true. Man Life YouTube channel, what they do. Everybody's got to get money. Everybody's about to get money. Make sure you subscribe to their YouTube channel, FNA Van Life. All that.